0: And I said, let me tell you how I came to write you that strange email. So I told him what I had found. I told him that, that Judy was my uh, birth mother. Um, and, I, and I read him from the transcript. Father's a sports star. from DeWitt, New York. Yeah, he goes, that sounds all about right. And I said, so you're telling me my search is over? He goes, yeah, pretty much. He goes, your search is over.
1: Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I, Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show is Jim, who lives in Delaware. Growing up, Jim had no desire to search for his first family, but... After his parents passed and he found his adoption name change form, his feelings about search changed. While he missed his biological mother, one of her lifelong friends shared some intimate pieces of the woman's life. Jim made the trip to Texas to meet his birth father, who felt re-energized in his final months by Jim's re-emergence. This is Jim's Journey. Jim told me that always knowing he was adopted was helpful because he grew up with the knowledge, so being adopted never seemed like a bad thing. He was born in Manhattan, but grew up on Long Island, New York. His parents purchased their home outside of the city before he was adopted, hoping it would give them a better chance of getting approved for adoption. Around 8 or 9 years old, his father got a job with DuPont down in Delaware, so the family packed up and made the move. Jim said he despised growing up as an only
0: child. Really despised that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always wanted a brother and sister uh, or or whatever. So we ended up getting pets. Um, So I had pets pretty much throughout my whole life.
1: Yeah. Did um, you get dogs? What did you get?
0: uh, We got dogs. I had turtles. I had hamsters. I had rabbits. Uh, We we had the gamut. I mean, my, my parents bent over backwards.
1: Sometimes kids would say he was spoiled as an only child, but Jim didn't think he was. He wanted for nothing, and he had an excellent upbringing. As an adult, Jim's friends told him he wasn't that bad as a kid, and it wasn't like he acted spoiled. I asked Jim about whether he knew other adoptees growing up.
0: I did not, and and it wasn't like it was an open subject to discuss. I never hit it, so when, when something would come up, I wouldn't have a problem saying, you know, I was kind of adopted, so I don't know the answer to that. I mean, every doctor's visit, you know, as well as I do, it's like, well, I don't know my medical history. Yeah. But it was never, I I never knew anybody else who was adopted that I knew of. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there were out there because I got to tell you, since I started this search, there's like people say, yeah, I was adopted too. And I'm like, what? You know, (laughs) I never knew that. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how you, you know, some people are acutely aware of everybody around them, and some of us just, we live in ignorant bliss, and it's there's a blind fog, and you never sort of look at the brownish child with the white parents or whatever and think to yourself, huh, you know what I mean? Or, or whatever the case may be, there's just, there's all of these places, even in homogenous families, you just kind of look around and you go, God, why is he blonde and they're, you know, brunettes? But it doesn't really click that they might be adopted, right? It's funny. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's
0: exactly right.
1: Jim was athletic as a young guy. He admitted he was the class clown, striving for positive feedback and attention, but he also admitted that when he got the focus turned on him, he didn't know what to do with it. He would freak out. With some therapy, Jim was able to overcome his inability to appropriately receive attention. When I asked about his relationship with his parents, Jim said it was great. His father was a World War II veteran.
0: So my parents were essentially about old enough to be my friend's grandparents. So that was a little bit strange, yeah. right? And when that subject came up, I would explain that I was adopted. Da da da. But but they they supported me in anything that I really wanted to do. You know, I go back now and I wish I'd have done things a little bit differently in some instances. But I could not have asked for a better upbringing. Um, not to say that there wasn't some some bumps in the road, but you know, I, I it, let's put it this way. It could have gone a whole lot worse um, and I realized that. So I'm pretty grateful.
1: Jim graduated high school, then did one year of college. But that was it. His crowning achievement during that year was showing off his billiards skills on campus in his freshman year, he won the pool championship, which was all his parents got for their tuition payments. When he returned home, they made him repay that year's tuition
0: kind of sat around for a year and then got a got a full-time job making some good money i met my wife which is really weird because like we met we met in our first date was in february we got engaged in july and we got married in november wow and that was 43 years ago
1: that's incredible good for you guys. i know
0: right that just doesn't happen man so and people are blown away by that they're like you've got to be kidding me and i said no it's not that it's been all peaches and cream but that's 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 my marriage story but but my wife always knew i was adopted even before we were married you know so it it really so me being adopted never created an issue my friends would even say to me, don't you, ever wit- don't you ever want to find out who your real parents are? And I would get offended by that because I've been pointing at my parents saying, these are my real parents. You know, yeah. the, the people who gave me up for adoption biologically are my, my parents, but those are the people who brought me up. So those are my parents. And, and so and then the subject would just drop. Because when I went on this journey and I was telling my best friend... He said, you know, growing up, you always said you just didn't want to know. You didn't want to know any of this stuff. So why are you doing it now? And and I'll be honest, when I look back, I think I was um, – a phrase probably not a good word, but I was – I did not want to hurt my parents' feelings, and I did not want them to think that they weren't my real parents. Mm-hmm. So I would just avoid that altogether as far as looking for my biological parents and all that other stuff. And And I wouldn't have – I probably would not have started this search if my parents were still alive. Jim's
1: father died in 1998. I asked Jim about what happened when his father passed.
0: So that was um, devastating. That that hit me like hard, really hard, because he he passed at home. My mom called. She said, you better get over here. Paramedics were there. He passed away. I guess I was like 31 or 32. Um, As any as any uh, boy, our oldest or even the only child in the family when your father passes away, all of a sudden now you're the guy, right? You are the man. Yeah. And so did a lot of growing up, um, in the year or two after he passed, it was, it was a big, uh, it was kind of earth shattering to me. Um, and then you get over it, you know, the pain doesn't go away. You just learn how to deal with it. So, um, you go on with life and then, you know, had to deal with uh, my mom, uh, with dementia, we had her here for a while and then she passed in '01 and uh, then you know cleaning out everything from her place, we kind of found this folder on my adoption and you know just kind of buried it for a little while. It was like so so my wife and I kind of put it put it away and because we're, we're busy doing all this other stuff and then kind of forgot about it.
1: In 2006, Jim's wife Barbara pointed out that the adoption file folder they found after his mother's passing had gone untouched. She suggested they should have a look inside. There were legal papers from lawyers, legalized adoption papers with a raised seal, and there was a name change document.
0: It was changing my name from what my birth mother named me to what my adoptive parents named me, which is on my actual birth certificate, my post-adoption birth certificate. And I'm like, that's weird. I said, that is kind of identifying information, right? I mean, it's like, I, I don't know if I should have this.
1: Let me just ask you real quick. Are you telling me sure. that as you looked through your documents, you could see the name you were given at birth?
0: Yeah, um, and it actually—it was a raised seal court document on yellow paper. It was like the real deal, and it was no faking it. It was like this document verifies that James Richard So and So will now be known as James Elliot, and it's like what? So, yeah, it kind of blew us both away. So,
1: wow. Um, That's ahead. almost like looking at the the start of a life of another kid. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That must have been really weird.
0: That So, you know, after talking to the adoption agency and they signed a counselor to me, and the counselor, I told the counselor about this document, and she said, you know, I can't legally talk to you about that. She wow. said that is identifying information, and I am not allowed by law to talk to you about that new york is New York is like the worst, oh. I swear, and you know I listened to Laura's story um mm-hmm. on on the on the podcast, and I'm like boy i'm I was living that dream yeah <laughs> now uh New York has opened it up
1: so since Jim had the official documents that recorded his name change and his official adoption, but the social worker couldn't legally speak with him about those documents. I asked him what the social worker was able to share with him.
0: Great question. Um, So this is, I would recommend this to anybody who was adopted and, and on a search or just want information. They were able to send me a summarized transcript of the interviews that my birth mother gave to her social worker the month before I was born. So in other words, the adoption agency assigns a social worker to the pregnant mom. The pregnant mom shows up in New York a month before birth. And this social worker, I think she made like three or four interviews with my birth mother and all that information is recorded. So the counselor who was assigned to me was able to go into the records, write up a summary without any identifying information and send that summary to me. And there was stuff in there like, brown hair, blue eyes, 52, 120, Norwegian, English uh, ancestry, Protestant, white, you know, oh, and and had a sister that was 2 years older.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and all this other information and 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 all the information that was on that was not identifiable ended up being identifiable as the story went on and I can get to that later. But from the information in that transcript, I was able to single out and and find out who my birth mother was.
1: When I asked Jim what resonated with him from the summary of his mother's words, he said he got the feeling that his birth mother and her sister were not the favorites in their home. Jim's sense was there weren't a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings in their house at all.
0: She also talked about my birth father. Um, who was of Catholic uh, Irish English uh, ancestry? Da da da. He was five eleven, and he was a big sports star. Uh, always written up in the papers um, and all this other stuff. And then and then um, then the deal where they were going to get married, and then he called it off. And then there was courts involved and all that was in that summary, which. I guess there's no identifying information in there, but if you put it all together with other information, mm-hmm. it confirms what you're looking at. Okay. So, so it ended up being identifying, but not in a way where it says so-and-so is your mom.
1: Yeah, it, you've got puzzle pieces, but you can't tell what the picture looks like until you get other puzzle pieces, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah, right. That's really exactly right. So Jim has the puzzle pieces, but keep in mind, he was searching in New York a city where the public library keeps all of the birth certificates and vital records. Jim's wife, Barbara, suggested they travel to New York to look for his documents, but Jim's counselor informed them that his records are sealed as an adoptee, so even if they found his records at the library, they would be in a sealed file. All of that technicality aside, the records are arranged by first name, so it would have taken them several days to comb through all of the other men named James in the files. It was deflating to realize that he was locked out of his own life's files, so he turned to the Internet. Jim searched for articles that may have had a prominent athlete featured, but to no avail. The search was futile. Years later, in 2017, Barbara told Jim that she wanted to do an Ancestry DNA test for her birthday, but on one condition. He had to submit a sample, too. It seems like a good idea to him because... He only knew what he was told about his background. The test confirmed Jim is English, Scotch Irish, and many more things. Later that year, Jim gets a message through Ancestry's platform from a woman named Virginia, a genealogist for her family. She said,
0: You know, we're related, you know, we share, you know, Cinnamorgans, and um, here's here's a little bit of my lineage, da da da. And I'm thinking, are they scanning me here or what? Mm hmm. <laughs> And, you know, Damon, I think I think I went that route because I was afraid of uh, what I'd find. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, getting a little caught up. It's all right. You take your um, time, man. So I showed my wife, you know, and I said, I don't know what to make of this. And uh, so, so I wrote her back. And I, I wrote her back and I said, hey, look, um, you know, I was adopted at birth. I really have no idea who my my biological family is. Uh, thank you for writing the note. You know, I, I'm just I got on. I, I had my DNA tested because you know I just wanted to find out a little bit of my background and all that. And she goes. She writes back and she goes, "Well, that's fine, but DNA don't lie. We're related, okay? So welcome <laughs> to the family." <laughs>
1: yeah, right. That's awesome. And that
0: <laughs> that kind of hit home. I mean, that that was like, well, wait a minute here.
1: Welcome to the family. It was the kind of comment that made it all real, even through Jim's skepticism. He'd never done anything like DNA testing before, so to have someone like Virginia reach out to him as part of his biological family, it felt like a scam at first. Jim said when Virginia found out he was adopted, she was all in and learning more about him became her project. Along the way, while messaging with Virginia, Jim gets another message from Roy a first or second cousin of extremely high confidence.
0: So I go to my wife, you're going to laugh, I go to my wife and I say, so I didn't bite on Virginia's scam, now they sent Roy after me. <laughs> I know, right? And I look back on that and I'm like, you are such a fool. <laughs> so anyway, I kind of like, I was afraid, Damien, I was afraid to answer it. I, I blew it off and I wrote it off in my mind as this is a scam, but down deep I knew it wasn't. And And so... We were getting ready to go on a cruise for our anniversary uh, in February. So, so we were getting ready for the cruise. And I never answered um, Roy's note. We'd go on the cruise. And at every stop, I would find a bar with free Wi-Fi and text the kids and say, hey, you know, this is what we did. Having a great time. Everything's fine. Hope everything is fine there. And uh, we stopped in Air on February 25th. And we did a tour, Barbara went back to the ship and I said, I'm just gonna run over to this bar, have a beer, and then check check up on the kids. And there was an email sitting there, and gotta give me a minute. Virginia is writing me. This is I I never thought I'd get this emotional on this. And this is how it's been through the whole journey. Um Virginia says you know, I think I have your birth mother narrowed down to Roy's two cousins, Judy and Carol. And Carol was born in 1937. Judy was born in 1939. And it gave last names. And it matched the last name on the name change document that I was given at birth. And I almost fell off my bar stool because I never gave... Virginia, any of that information. She never saw the name change document. She never knew I had the interview transcripts. I kept that to myself. And it matched because my birth mother had an older sister, which was Carol, and and it it matched the last name. And so, you know, slammed slammed a shot at tequila, drank my beer, and ran back to the ship and got Barbara. And I said, Look at this. And she goes, She goes, all right. So she goes, this is no joke anymore. This is this is the real deal, because there's no way this is a coincidence.
1: It was at that point that Jim and Barbara figured they had to be in or out. They were so close to having full information about Jim's past that they had to decide if they wanted to open the proverbial box to see what was inside or walk away. They went all in. When the cruise docked, Jim raced home to respond to Roy's initial message apologizing profusely for not sending a more timely reply. Afterward, even Virginia asked Jim what she might have done differently that would have tamped down his skepticism about fully engaging in his own reunion. Jim tried to reassure her there was nothing she had done. It was all on him to be in a place of accepting what he was facing. He told her he was over it and he wanted to know more, so they started an investigation into Judy, Jim's biological mother.
0: So I started researching Judy. I found her obituary. Uh, she had passed in 2013, and this was 2018. So I had missed her by five years. Uh, I was getting kind of really disappointed in that, but um, okay, uh, it's not earth shattering, but you know, it it's kind of sucks. But yeah. um, and then I started. So I saw in her obituary she had two two kids, which um, are now my brother and sister. Right. So Roy said, Roy writes me and he said, do you have any plans in contacting Kim or Peter? And I said, you know, I said, I, I just don't know how to do that. I, I, you know, I said, I'm not here to interrupt anybody's life in a negative way. And there's a possibility of me doing that if I contact him.
1: Their research uncovered Judy's wedding announcement, the date of which was a little over a year after Jim was born. The announcement also had the names of Judy's bridesmaids. Turning to their high school reunion website, he found the bridesmaids and their email addresses and sent them a note introducing himself. One of the bridesmaids, a dear friend of Judy's named Carol, sent Jim some letters that they had exchanged.
0: And it was this one letter that said, um, Judy wrote to Carol and said, Jim and I had such a good time doubling with you and Gary, uh, I never laughed so hard in my life. And... So Carol said this was sent. She got that letter like 1956, 57 time frame. So I'm like, Jim, huh? Okay, so so maybe this is something. She didn't know who Jim was.
1: Barbara told Jim, look, you're treading ground. You've never walked. You've never done this before, and you might want to get some information about Reunion. Jim's social worker sent him a list of reading materials, and in one weekend, he sat down and devoured one book called The Adoption and Reunion Handbook.
0: You know, I I don't think I actually got out of my chair until I was done reading the book. It was just like, I got to get this done. And it it explained that a sibling reunion is so much easier, or I shouldn't say reunion, I should say union, is so much easier than a parental one because there's no guilt, there's no fault, there's no nothing. We just happen to be in this this movie, right? So I started thinking more and more about getting a hold of... um, my uh, siblings.
1: Jim started looking at social media to find his siblings. He located his sister on Facebook and LinkedIn, but he couldn't find his brother anywhere. Jim followed his sister for a while online. Then he decided it was time.
0: I finally said, you know, I'm going to contact her. And so I wrote I wrote a letter to her. And oh, my God, Damon, I must have I must have rewrote it five or six times. <laughs> yep. And my wife finally said, just send the damn letter. She goes, it's, it's good enough. You can change this thing for the rest of your life. Just send the letter. So I sent it and I sent it to Ancestry, which went to her junk mail. So, and I knew that because Barbara said, send it to me and it went to her junk mail. So I sent it through Facebook Messenger. And when I sent it through Facebook Messenger, Kim got the message and was trying to delete it because she didn't recognize my name. And as she was trying to delete it, it opened and she saw her mother's name. And that's when she read the letter. Um, and I'm, I'm like, I'm getting out of my truck to go to work. And she she replies back. She she replied back, saying, you're going to have to give me a minute. I, I really am taken by surprise by this.
1: Jim said he tried to legitimize himself in that introductory letter, so he had given his sister his email address and phone number to make sure she felt some degree of certainty that this outreach was real. Jim went to work, and when he got off and got home, he and his sister messaged back and forth for hours. He scanned and sent her his name change document and his birth certificate, putting himself out there, hoping the door would be opened for them.
0: She she said, give me 10 minutes. My family's holding up for dinner. I'll be right back. So I said, okay she comes back and she says, it's confirmed. She goes, I just talked to my mom's best friend. Who's been a best friend forever. And she said that my mom had a son in high school and had given him up for adoption. Wow. And I'm like, it it was like, Whoa, this is the first confirmation I've ever had. You know, real confirmation, uh, word of mouth. And then she says, And she thinks your dad's name is Jim. And I didn't even know how to respond to that. And, and she thinks he lives in San Antonio, Texas. I'm like, Holy shit. So I said, okay, thanks. Any other information, you know, let's stay in contact. And she was all for it. She was like, totally. Once it was confirmed, she was like, I am so there. I, I, she goes, this is Awesome. I am pissed at my mom that she didn't tell me this sooner. I'd have found you sooner. So, so great reception there. It couldn't have been better. Right. And, and, and to this day, we're still, you know, our relationship is, is blossoming.
1: Jim starts looking for this other James in Texas. There were 352 of them. He recruited Virginia, the genealogy sleuth, to help him narrow the search down. Jim said the transcripts from his adoption detailed his birth father's age, 19, at the time of his birth, so that helped him pinpoint the man's birth year. Couple that information with the man's full name, and the puzzle picture gets clearer. Jim looked back at historical newspapers for this guy in New York, where he found the man written up as a football and track star, all of which confirmed he had found the right guy. Online, Jim found four email addresses for his birth father, Jim. So he realized he needed to draft a generic email that wouldn't alarm the guy's family members who probably didn't know he existed, but specific enough to trigger intrigue and follow up. In the letter, he named the guy's hometown. He asked if perhaps the older Jim maybe knew another family back in that hometown, mentioning his birth mother, Judy's last name.
0: I wrote I wrote the letter. I sent it to all four emails. Lo and behold, I'm getting out of my truck to go to work, and I get a response. It's like, why does this always happen as I'm going to work? This is yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> so anyway, the response is, um, yes, I've lived in DeWitt, New York, and I know the wheels. So it was like, I got him. I, I, I got him. I know what email to use now. So I go into work. I work my five-hour shift because I work part-time. And I come home, I come right upstairs to my office, and I'm typing out a letter now because now it's explicit, right? Because we, we both know what's going on here. He knows and I know because there was a big legal battle when I was adopted. So, so he was involved. He had to pay some money. There was all kinds of – so, so he, this isn't something that he forgot. In the middle of the letter, I get a call from San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> really? So when I get up off the floor, I answer the call. And he said, is this Jim? And I said, yes. He said, you wrote me a strange email today. And I said, I did. And I said, let me tell you how I came to write you that strange email. So I told him what I had found. I told him that that Judy was my uh, birth mother. Um, and And I read him from the transcript. Father's a sports star from DeWitt, New York. Yeah, he goes, that sounds all about right. And I said, so you're telling me my search is over? He goes, yeah, pretty much. He goes, your search is over.
1: Jim and Jim talked by phone every day thereafter. After finding his birth father in late April 2018, the men agreed to meet in July of 2018. Jim, the adoptee, also got to chat with Jim, the birth father's younger brother, Dan. His brother remembered everything from the pregnancy to plans for Judy and Jim to get married to the legal battle and eventual adoption.
0: Dan, uh, my uncle, said that Jim was about on his last legs until I got a hold of him. And then it kind of gave him something to um, live for, for lack of a better word. But he attributed that. uh, He had some really bad heart problems. He had problems with his feet. So anyway, I went down to visit him um, because he said, you know, At first, he said, no, let's not do a visit because my kids don't know about you. And then his brother Dan talked him into telling the kids and the kids were okay with it, but very cold to me, which was okay. Not the outcome I expected, but it was okay.
1: Who was cold to you?
0: Um, So, I I left that out. So, my father had two kids, right? He had a daughter and a son. Uh, His wife had passed in 2006. So, He was a a widower and, and he had two kids and uh, he told his kids about me and they really didn't show any interest. Um, And I had known that he had two kids because of the research I was doing uh, to find him. I I knew that he had two kids anyway, not the outcome I was expecting, but you know, uh, his son, his son said, well, this was before mom, right? And he said, yeah, he goes, well, that's okay, whatever. And that was, that was the end of that. So I would have preferred to have some kind of a relationship. Now, his daughter, um, I do converse with, and she conversed with me openly. Um, she, she actually was the one who told me that he had passed. She had given me a call and, or sent me a note because it was like 3 in the morning. And uh, she said, Dad had passed away, and, you know, uh, this is what happened, and I'll let you know about the arrangements. Needless to say, I did not go to San Antonio for the funeral, um, which kind of uh, bummed out his brother because his brother wants to meet me in the worst way. Oh really? Yeah. So you know, I'm glad I got down there in that uh, July of 2018 to visit him. I went by myself. Went for two two and a half days. Uh, took it. Took a gamble, right? I didn't know what I was walking into. Uh, flew into San Antonio. Got to his place. He lives in an apartment, uh, pretty big apartment, but and it was awkward for about three or four hours. Really awkward. Um, and then you know, I just told him. I said, look. I'm fine sitting here watching TV with you. So so don't feel you have to entertain me or anything.
1: They sat and watched TV for a while. Then the men started to exchange stories and the mood loosened up. Jim said his birth father insisted that he stay with him in his three bedroom apartment with all of his hunting and fishing trophies adorning the walls. His birth father had sent Jim pictures of his apartment before the trip to make Jim feel more comfortable. The next day, the fellas went out for a ride. Jim's birth father showed him some property that he owned around town, talked about his days in the service, and some of his time with Judy.
0: Yeah, he He insisted. He said, no, 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 don't spend it. He goes, I got three bedrooms here. He goes, we'll we'll, we'll fit you in. So, yeah, it was just me and him for like two and a half days.
1: That must have been so bizarre. How cool, though.
0: (laughs) It was bizarre. You know, he took a gamble, too. He had no idea who I was. I mean, really. I mean. So uh he kinda went out on that limb too, and I figured, well, if he's willing to go out on that limb, I guess I can too.
1: And then you guys spoke every day and then once a week until he passed, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I actually looked forward to the calls. Um and you know, it, sometimes it was I'd call and he'd be in a bad mood or something and he'd be like, you know, I just don't feel like talking. I said, Okay, fine. I'll talk to you next Tuesday or give me a call when you do. Yeah. Uh, it was not it was not like it was a pressure thing to do.
1: That's really cool that he was receptive. And what did he tell you about your biological mother?
0: Fun loving, um, great girl. Although he was, she was very nice to him in the interviews that she gave, uh, the month before I was born to the social worker. And he, he said that doesn't seem right because she hated him pretty good because he had called off the wedding. Um, and and so she said, you know, he said, I, I just don't, he said, that doesn't seem or sound right. So I got back with Spence Chapin, who was the adoption agency that took care of the adoption, and got another counselor because the counselor I had in those 06 had actually retired and asked for another transcript. Well, the transcript I got from that counselor was twice as long, and it was very, detailed no identifying information but it was very detailed and it did get into where there was a um a major uh disagreement between the two families um and jim told me there was an eight thousand dollar payment made that he had saved for college because he was pissed because he could go, couldn't go to the college he wanted to he ended up going to syracuse on a, on a scholarship but the guy was open and honest i mean he was he was not pulling any punches but um okay. so yeah there was a big legal battle. Supposedly, you know, back in 56, this was not something that you would let out. So the only people that actually knew were Judy's immediate family and, and Jim's immediate family. And that was it. So that's why the maid of honors didn't know anything. Um, they were told that she was taking care of her grandmother and she would be back for her senior year to graduate, which she came back, I guess, in end of November, about a month after I was born. Mm-hmm. She went back to school and did graduate with her class.
1: So Jim found his biological mother, but he didn't get to meet her. He found his biological father, whom he had a nice visit with. Then the man passed away just a few months later. All of this reunion stuff was something Jim said his whole life that he didn't want to do. I asked him how he felt after putting the whole puzzle together.
0: So, you know, so great question. I I look back on all of the times that I was... Uh, deflecting my friends asking me about you know do you ever want to find your biological or your real parents and I think the real parents thing is what made me defensive because my parents who brought me up are my real parents and I I, to this day they're my real parents Um, I think I was just afraid of knowing I I always wanted to know who I look like I mean that isn't that kind of like weird but it's like I don't look like anybody (laughs) So so back when I was communicating with Roy and I still communicate with these people like every year, Merry Christmas and all that. So uh, Roy had sent me a picture uh, when we when we came to the conclusion that Judy was my birth mother. She he sent me a picture from Thanksgiving uh, when Judy was 12. And Damon, oh, my God, first time I've ever seen anybody look like me. Really, I am definitely my mother's son, oh, uh, wow. and even my wife was saying, "Oh my gosh, this this is uncanny." You look at me at twelve, and look at her at twelve, and it's like, "Whoa!"
1: That's so, especially
0: cool. in the eyes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, pretty surreal, actually. Uh, to answer your question, it was very, it was very surreal. It was very emotional. I was not expecting that. Um, the whole that whole journey from fe- the end of February up through May or June was just, I was not prepared for the emotional piece of that. Um, I'd be driving home from work and I would just get emotional. Hell, I got emotional here talking to you about it. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I just didn't, I, I'm not expecting that. And it just happens. It's, there's no explaining it. There's no, you know, there's not like a special song comes on or you get some bad, and terrible news. It's just like, it just, just comes on and it's like god yeah this is crazy
1: it's a funny thing it's a it's an emotion that's so incredibly heavy because to me it starts back at the beginning of your life so i don't know about you but i was adopted about three months old and so there's this time frame that you don't have any history about and it's a time frame that even precedes your actual birth it's the lead up to you even being conceived and there's so there's this whole story of your life that you don't get to ask before, you know, about before you were adopted. And then all of a sudden, as an adult, when you can actually fathom all of this stuff, you discover it and it becomes this reality that you didn't even know really existed for you. And it's it can be very overwhelming.
0: Yeah, um, you're dead on. Uh, I just did not realize that at the time. So if I was to give any advice to anybody who was on this journey or thinking about taking this journey, um, a couple of things would probably be number one, get ready for the emotions because they're going to happen. Um, and number two, prepare yourself for things not going as planned um, and and not going well, because I had to do that before I decided to go all in. And and I knew that kind of going in because I had heard some horror stories and my, and my wife asked me, too. She goes, you are prepared that this could go really south, right? And I said, yeah, I am. I am. But but it's something I have to do. And if it goes south, it goes south. I've done everything I can do to to, to make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but if it does, uh, I'm I'm willing to, to take that.
1: Yeah, that's exactly and that, right. And those
0: are the two things that you just got to, if you're not willing to do that, then, then don't get on the train.
1: Jim's story was really flowing as we talked, so I tried not to interrupt too much. But I did want to go back to hear more about Judy's bridesmaids artifacts from their lifelong friendship together.
0: Yeah, she had this box where she had saved my sister's christening announcement, uh, the wedding stuff, letters that she got. Um, She had a diary. She wrote me one time and she said, you know, I just read my diary that that Judy and uh, Bill, who she married, uh, started going steady on Christmas Day, 1956, and and you know I'm thinking this guy's got to be my father. There there is just I mean I was born in October of '56, and and here they're going steady Christmas Day of '56, and and Virginia kept saying, "Hold your horses, pal. I have no DNA that says that this guy is your dad." She goes, "You got to have to be patient, and we'll just keep digging." Um, but she said, "Don't jump the gun on me here." Yeah, you know, patience wasn't even in my vocabulary then. Mm-hmm. I was in full swing, dude. I was like, I was running down the road at 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy wow. stuff. And it ended up being somebody else, and I confirmed that through my well, my mom's uh, best friend.
1: So what I'm hearing you say then is your biological mother gave birth to you in October, and then yep. three months later, she was going steady with her eventual husband.
0: Yes, that's correct. Wow. Yep.
1: So she came back from being one of the girls who went away and immediately started dating a guy who became her husband. And that's, wow, that's amazing.
0: I know. Huh. <laughs> so she actually finished her junior year, which I guess she wasn't showing. Because I'm thinking if I was born in October, she had to conceive, what, February, March time frame? Mm-hmm. And so by the end of the school year, she wasn't showing. And then that summer, she went away. Um, and then... Uh, She ended up, I think it was like a month and a half before my birth, her and her mom got an apartment in Manhattan. And um, that's so they stayed there until my birth. And that's where the social worker had met up with them. And uh, the counselor actually said, you know, normally the birth mothers don't take advantage of that service, but it's a service that the uh, adoption agency has that will supply a counselor. And she took advantage of it. She saw the counselor three or four times. So um, that was a good thing. Prenatal care seemed to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the, here's the, the a real kicker. My sister's birthday is October 26th, uh, 1959. Now October 26th is the actual day that my mother brought me to the adoption agency and turned me over. Wow. Um, that had to be heartbreaking, because uh, even in in the notes, it said that uh, she was tearful but in control, uh, knew it was the right thing, but hated to give me up. She wrote the adoption agency uh, for months afterwards, wanting information on how I was doing, Is there, was everything okay, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, think of it, Damon. Every year on my sister's birthday, you know she had in the back of her mind that, that's the day she gave up her first ki- her firstborn. Wow! I know. I, I don't. And and my sister still cries every time she she starts thinking about that. Wow. She goes, I don't know how my mother went through that. I don't know how she did it. Isn't that crazy?
1: That is. I'm speechless. That's unbelievable. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That had to be excessively tough. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, some of the stuff that our birth mothers endured—it's really unbelievable. Hmm.
0: Yeah, so the whole thing she said she gave me up for adoption uh, was because she wanted me to have a uh, family with two parents. And when my birth father said that, you know, he changed his mind, she just figured that she'd put me up for adoption. It was a mess. And and I did find out that uh, her husband, Bill, didn't know about me. So, so he was one of the few people who did know.
1: Oh, that's good. Yeah, wow.
0: you know, I'm sure she opened up to him and said, Hey, look, you know, before we go any further with this, this is what happened last year. Hmm. And then come to come to find out that my birth father and Judy's husband were best friends. Go figure.
1: Your birth father. And you really you your birth yeah. father, Jim and Bill were bu- were best
0: friends. Oh, uh, yeah. They were buddies. They were buddies. He, he there... actually when I went to go visit him, he told me stories about how he used to go down because uh, my my um, Judy's husband Bill was in a military academy for a year, and he used to go down to the dorm, my birth father, and sneak him out the window, and they'd go out drinking, and then bring him back before roll call. <laughs> that's I know it's crazy; it's so bizarre. Oh my
1: gosh, <laughs> that is unreal! Yeah, wow, it's bizarre. Dang man, that's crazy. Well, Jim, I appreciate you taking time to give me a call, man. This is—it was really fascinating to hear how sort of deeply dedicated you were to your family and your parents and then you know just the discovery of the document being a trigger for you to actually want to start a search is it's just fascinating everybody's triggered for a different reason and sometimes it's that very thing the discovery of a document that alludes to a time and place that you came from that you hadn't really fathomed is really cool and i'm glad that it turned out okay with your with your biological father I'm glad, you, uh, I'm glad you have a story to tell and that it's something uh, that's going to help others. So thank you. I hope
0: so, too. Yeah. And thank you for doing this. Oh, my pleasure, bro.
1: My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. man. All the best to you. Have a great weekend.
0: All right. You too.
1: Hey, it's me. Jim and I agreed that if ever there was an application of the old saying, expect the unexpected, Adoption and reunion journeys are one place where it definitely applies. It's so interesting to think that Jim vehemently opposed any desire to search for his biological relatives until he found that folder of documents about his adoption. I love hearing about people like Virginia who give a piece of themselves to help an adoptee find the missing pieces of themselves. She was able to help Jim find his birth mother, Judy, so that he could hear more about her life and he was able to have one meaningful visit with his birth father Jim before the man passed away. Sometimes that's all we need is some intimate detail about the biological parents we're looking for or one meaningful moment to make us feel more whole as adoptees. I'm Damon Davis and I hope you'll find something in Jim's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn, who am I really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash WAI Really or follow on Twitter at WAI Really. If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on patreon.com slash WAI Really. Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five-star rating there. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. And if you're interested, you can check out the story of my adoption journey, Who Am I Really? An Adoptee Memoir on Amazon.com, on Kindle, or as an audiobook on Audible. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.